It is Soundcheck Flicks. My name is Tim Piles. Today on the show, Marcos Curiel of POD. What's up? We're covering the film <laughs> The Exorcist, 1973, William Friedkin. Excited to be here with my man, Graham. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Glad to be here. And man, this is this is crazy. Your band, uh, POD, Payable on Death, is now celebrating over 30 years. Yeah. 30 years right there, huh? We're, we're getting up in that... Uh... Rolling Stones, Rush, Metallica <laughs> stuff. We're still a band, dude. Over 12 million albums sold. Mm -hmm. Multiple Grammy nominations. Yep. Uh, new album coming out next year. Yeah. Yes. Veritas? Ver yeah. Veritas, Veritas. Okay. What does it, that mean? It's the old Latin dialect word for truth. And I was like, how can we say truth without it just saying truth in English? So we found that word and we were like, this is pretty tight. Um, and, you know, it's got that old school, not Spanish, Latin dialect that you, you will hear in some of these uh, horror films with like demonic stuff. You'll hear like the preacher or the priest using Latin dialect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When does the album come out? Uh, we don't have an official date, but I'm saying spring 2024. And there's a single out now, right? Yeah. Yeah. If we we uh, did a guerrilla style, you know, kind of below the radar release. I, I wouldn't know if you would call that. It's kind of an instant grat track to show everybody that we're still a band. Sure. And that we're still rocking. But the official single, we haven't released yet. Like the, you know, the, the traditional service to radio single, we haven't done that yet. Do you guys still do that? The label does. The label does. <laughs> Who's your label currently? Uh, we're with Mascot. Nice. They're from the Netherlands. We've been with them. This will be our second album. Uh, but they just re-released uh, When Angels and Serpents Dance. And, you know, they're licensing that for 10 years. So we have three records technically with them. What a career. One of the most successful bands ever to come out of San Diego. Pretty exciting. Who, who would have thought? A bunch yeah. of Yeah. Always representing tribal gear yep. internationally. I love that. You guys do. I mean, where have you been lately with the band? You guys, South America, um, the UK? Right now, we, we just finished the record. We're kind of like I was just telling Grandma. I was like, hey, man. We're kind of being choosy on what we do. We don't have to go out and do something just to do it. We're like, you know, nice. let's, let's be selective. We're at that place in our career. We can do that and have that luxury. Where do you feel in the world do you get the best response to your music? You know, it's weird because the U.S., we have a hardcore following here. It's, we're just no longer on MTV. Right. So that changes a lot of things. It's just the core following and... It's really cool that we still have that here, but I would say it's more like I call Beatlemania when we go to South America from Mexico South and then Europe nice. and anywhere in Asia. So pretty much the rest of the world. <laughs> you guys were featured on TRL frequently? Yes, we were. <laughs> and you know did you that, ever appear on the show? Yes, we did. Uh, we, we got on there a few times with Carson. Wow. And that was pretty cool. And it was good to, you know, just kind of go back and forth with him about his history here in San Diego. You know, he used to be a, I guess, a DJ over at yep. 92.5. Right, right. Yeah. Maybe when it was so, The Flash, I think. Yeah. yeah. So he had, some, he had some roots roots here. So we were hearing off, uh, off mic the experience you had first witnessing what people do describe in two ways. It's either a, a supernatural thriller or... It's a true horror film, right, Graham? What was the, the delineation yeah, the, well, there? Uh, William Friedkin, the director, and Linda Blair, the, you know, the young star, Reagan, 
they both are just adamant about the fact that this is not a horror film. They, they, they love the term supernatural thriller, and they, they kept driving that home. Because to them, it's, it's more about the test of faith that takes place in Father Karras's arc throughout the film. Mm. And, you know, he, and he is battling his faith throughout the film, which is crazy because he's a psychologist to the other priests there at Georgetown. Mm. So he really needs to have his shit together. And on the surface, he does, because you see him counseling these other priests. But beneath that, you know, we see those moments where he's with his elders and he's confessing to them, hey, I, I don't know if I'm believing this anymore. And so that's going on throughout the whole film. And so a lot of Christian people who have watched this film mm. say that they relate to that arc in the film, that, you know, it's a, you know, your whole faith is a test all along and that that's what he's dealing with. And you have moments where you stumble and you're not sure and you deal with doubt and, you know, then you get to the end and all the craziness, and, you know. <laughs> but, you know, they're adamant about that, that it's a supernatural thriller, like not a horror film. Now, I think a lot of the rest of us would, uh, you know, not agree with that. Um, yeah, if, it depends on how you look at it, you know, realizing yeah. that Friedkin was actually a documentary filmmaker and how he shot the movie. And yeah, it's brilliant. The, the, ho- the hospital scenes. But yeah. you first see the film at six years old. Yeah unbeknownst to your parents as you're right next to them <laughs> yeah fake sleeping over watching over their shoulder or whatever and yeah tell me tell me this well they're in the living room watching uh this movie the exorcist i i obviously don't know what i'm watching uh but they turn around and i can tell that is he awake is he asleep <laughs> and they turn around i close my eyes i'm laying on the couch then they they go back to watching the movie and i was continuously watching the movie while they thought I was sleeping. So I got busted when they picked me up to take me to my bedroom and go to sleep. And the room was dark and I started crying as I started to get put down in bed. <laughs> and that's when they realized you watched the movie. <laughs> and it freaked me out. Like if I can remember, it was like about a week. I could not go to sleep. I was afraid for my life. So I got a question. Were you watching like a network edited version or are you watching the real hardcore version? You know what? I, 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 I was six. Yeah. I, I don't, don't even remember. remember. Yeah. I just remember like her neck, you know, <laughs> the spinning. The spinning. Yeah, yeah. If you're and, six, it's scary either way. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. her cruising. Still my favorite part till this day now that I'm older uh, is her like going down the stairs like a spider. I would have thought it would have been that scene with the crucifix, but well, that's just where your oh. mind's at, Tim. That's just where your mind's oh, at. Oh man, just imagine seeing some of that back then at that time when. What, what could you relate that to? Any other there film? hadn't been anything like that. I mean, like I said, that that scene with the crucifix alone is just well. Even the ridiculous. ideal of exorcism on film had not really been mm, a thing. Right. Like. Nobody really went in hard on that, especially the way this one does. Like, and think about the time period. Yeah, it's in the seventies. So seventies yeah. is like, what? What was the people at the at the network saying, or you know, at the at the studio? Like, what is this? Like, they they probably are freaking out, dude. They did say a lot of people left the theaters too, but it sounded in in some of the documentary, it sounded like it was more the the surgical stuff, the hospital stuff. When she's the blood pumping out of her neck. It's torture watching that. Yeah. It's yeah. rough. Uh, Ellen Burstyn thought that as well when she watched it for the first time after they were done filming. She said that too. She's like, I was surprised at how the moment that got me the most was that surgery mm. moment. And it's, it is rough because they're, 
just abusing this girl with all these different surgeries and stuff that they're doing to her. I guess the, the part that boggles me to this day, when I watch horror movies or spiritual, what do we call it? Supernatural, Supernatural thrillers. Thriller, thriller. thrillers is when they get these kids to act these parts out. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, I, you know, I have my own, my own children and I'm like, how do you, how do you get a girl or a boy to act possessed and contort and, and, and just get in that, that zone as an actor that, yeah. that I, I, uh, I have to applaud the directors there, but I'm like, dang, does that affect the child? I would like to ask Blair, Hey, what's up? She seems, pr- I watched one of the documentaries yeah. with her and see, I don't know how many years ago it was, but she seems pretty well adjusted, you know? Yeah. I mean, she's had it. We have never heard about, uh, any weird stories about her and her well, adult she, you life? You know, she had she peaked early. I yeah. mean, that was one of her first roles, if <laughs> yeah. not her first. And yeah. she got nominated for an Academy Award for that. And I think she should have won. I mean, yeah. She lost to Tatum O'Neill in Paper Moon, which is weird because that's also a young girl. Another one, yeah. yeah. Youngest she, ever? Was she, uh, probably was at the yeah. time. Oh, wow. Yeah, she probably was at the time. But both of them, wow. But, yeah, the fact that they were both nominated in the same year is kind of crazy. But um, the so when she would do the the Reagan voice and it was the possessed voice, mm. that was an actress named Mercedes McCambridge. And because of that, Linda Blair got nominated, but that story kind of got out after it, and it kind of hurt her chances of winning, I think. Uh, because oh. it wasn't technically her. It wasn't her voice in the possessed scenes. Hmm. But she's still doing all the she's, acting. Yeah, yeah. like Very I'm like, physical acting. Sitting through hours of makeup with a smile on her face every single day, too. Like 12 I'm not familiar hours with the other girl you guys... You guys referenced that beat her out. Uh, Tatum O'Neill. Yeah, forgive me. I, she, what movie did she win? There was a movie called Paper Moon with her and her father. Did you see Bad News Bears? Yes, she's the pitcher. She's in the Bad girl pitcher. Okay. Yeah. But see, I remember her from that. The other movie. Or Little Darling. She Paper was also Moon. In that one. Does that was it, with her father yeah, Ryan. Okay, I'm not like saying. Creatures. I'm not saying is that a good movie. Yeah. It's a decent yeah. film. It's not The Exorcist. Okay, no so way. The Exorcist is more memorable. Yes. Her performance is definitely memorable. So, More iconic in yeah. the zeitgeist yeah. of well, horror and Halloween. Yeah. And- this happens where years later you'll look back on the Oscars and you'll go, what the fuck were you guys thinking? <laughs> like, like, Goodfellas only gets like five or six nominations. I always and, feel like... And only won one. Goodfellas only has one Oscar. I know. That's- Are you fucking kidding me? Like... So sometimes you look back on it, and you're like, what the hell? I mean, <laughs> yeah. But you know what? The Exorcist got 10 nominations. Ooh. I mean, that's a lot. And it didn't win one. It won three. Oh, won three. Okay. It did get three. Um, it got sound, screenplay. Or no, it got two. Sorry. Sound and screenplay. Mm. But still, that's, you know, at least it won something. It but, changed the game of uh, horror, supernatural thrillers. I mean, it just still to this day, it, it terrifies me. I mean... <laughs> It's did so, you did you see the theater or uh no i would have seen it later i, I mean, saw it at the drive-in right yeah oh. that's what my dad was my dad would take me to halloween and the exorcist and kentucky fried Explains movie a lot <laughs> yeah he was taking me to all these inappropriate yeah. movies when i was so <laughs> underage and one of my first drive-in memories is the exorcist and wow. it specifically is that scene when she sits up and vomits on them and it's like fuck me fuck me or whatever <laughs> And I'm like, you know, four or five, and I'm just like, holy Can shit. Can I just say on the Blu-ray? Cut, that was beautiful. The, Cut. The remastered extended version, how beautifully green and glorious the uh, the, the vomit, vomit uh, <laughs> the bile looks Ooh. on that. And then the extended cut, which um, there's, you know, dude, the detective. What's the detective's name? Did you? Lieutenant Kinderman? Yeah. Kinderman kills me. 
I laughed so hard two times in that film when he's trying to get people to go to the movies. Go to the movies. So he's like, and at us. the end, that's like the light that what they added to the extended cut, I guess, because that's not in the original <laughs> right. ending, right? I don't think I've seen it's that. It's hilarious. It's a more you... ominous ending in the other one, but yeah. but the lighthearted little little. Hey, do you want to go to the movies? <laughs> yeah, Lee J. Cobb. That guy's a, kind of an interesting character. The actor that yeah. played that Kinderman role. He's uh he's the original Willie Loman in Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman. Like he played the role originally and is like in the like Hall of Fame of like wow. you know, Broadway and stuff. Like he's considered like a Mount Rushmore kind of guy. And he uh you you remember the uh, Red Scare in the fifties where they did the yes. Hollywood blacklisting yep. and a lot of people named names of communists and people lost their jobs. Mm. He named names. Oh wow. Yeah. But he a also rat. Yeah, he was, but he also went on to get two Academy Award nominations after he named names. So if you're him, hey, you know, I'm looking out for number one here. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's a weird one. That's why I find him fascinating because I think his ratty, you know, rat thing, I don't like. Yeah. But at the flip side of it, it's like, well, he went on to do some pretty incredible work after that. Like on the waterfront. I mean, that's a great film. He must have been forgiven in the industry. I would imagine. Yeah. He kept working and he just died a couple years after The Exorcist. So, I mean, he worked Natural until the causes. end. I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they came to get him. <laughs> yeah, were there any deaths on the yeah, set? Yeah, he was, was only the, 61 yeah. so when he passed, but yeah. he looked old. You know? Damn, yeah, knock on wood. <laughs> they ever say anything weird happened on the set there or anything described that you found? They did try to find a, uh, they did try to get someone to do uh, like a blessing on the set, like have a Roman Catholic priest come in because there was kind of some of the crew that were a little bit worried about the mojo they were messing with, yeah. but... Uh, I think Friedkin or some of them weren't really down with the ideal, or maybe the priest just said no altogether anyway because of what you were filming. I can't remember. Well, they had but... priests all over it as technical advisors, they so they did a lot to make sure what they were talking about was right. Father legit. Dyer, the guy there at the end, William O'Malley, he is a priest. Well, it just—I think a lot of this has to do with, like you said, faith. You either believe in that stuff or you don't, and if you do, it freaks you the fuck out. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Because then you're just like, and I've had my own personal, you know, things that have happened to me in my, my life where I have a lot of respect for that. And now you see like, you know, let's say Kat Von D. She's like changed her lifestyle around. I don't know if you saw that. She's like taking she, her tats off. She, and what she, she, she uh, conformed to Catholic Christianity. or Christianity. Yeah, yeah. But she was, she says she was dealing with a lot of black magic and a lot of dark shit. Right. So when you think about that, you're like sitting there going, well, you know, and then I read the Motley Crue book, Nikki Six. I was like, dude, I was messing with this stuff. Knives are flying around the room. And I was like sitting there going, yeah, dude, I've had my own experiences. That stuff is real to me. And when you see these types of movies, that's why, to be honest with you, I haven't even gone to go see the new Exorcist because I have to go watch those types of movies in the day. That gives me the whole day to chill and just like get out of that mode and get back to my positive vibrations. Because if I watch it at night, I'm going to bed. I'm like, this is torture. What was that? What was that noise? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, um, there is a new Exorcist film out with two demons. There's two girls. That I don't get know possessed. if it's any good. That's what it looks like in the trailer. Yeah. You know, a lot of people hate on the newer stuff, but I think that uh, James Wan is doing it justice. He does the conjurings, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's the same thing. It's on that spiritual tip. It, it's, but also, I'm not going to, I'm going to go uh, AA here. The 12 steps for humans. You got to seek a higher power to help you to get through shit. And these movies are kind of in that vein. So when you think that, you're like, damn, 
it's a it's definitely a faith spiritual thing for sure and uh it scares me because mm-hmm. like i've <laughs> seen i've seen some personal stuff where i was uh it freaked me out because i grew up in a religious home and it wasn't something that was televised it wasn't something that was being like you know promoted so to make the preacher look a certain way it was a tuesday night 20 30 people and what i saw freaked me out dude i seen a real possession and i mean from what i from what i thought was real but what i saw i'll never ever forget what i saw and i don't know if you guys want to elaborate a little bit yeah what did you see okay well there's a church in la mesa off the 94 it's kind of got a pointy little it's on the left hand side when you're going east uh kind of where the merge of the 125 is i don't know the name of the church green thumbs is it i think so okay (laughs) green thumb but um (laughs) my mom was you know you live in this house you need to go to church blah 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 i was like damn you know i hated it so i was like all right so me my sister and a bunch of other friends that had to go were sitting there and the, the preacher's like, if you need prayer, we're, we're going to invite you to stand in line and we're going to lay hands on you and put oil on you and pray for you, you know, to help you with whatever you're dealing with in your life. And this lady, this little skinny lady just starts bawling and she starts to like breathe really heavily. And we're just sitting there and, the, and, and you know, me and my sister are kind of bored and she's crying and she's weeping. And all of a sudden she gets closer to the, to the, preach the preacher and he's all puts his hand on her and she starts to like help me i need help and she starts saying all this crazy stuff like a movie i, I really need help and then she starts bawling i was like we're gonna help and he starts saying all this stuff you know like whatever's going on we rebuke you and all this and then she starts to like convulse and she falls and she starts to foam her eyes roll back and then they're like if you're not right with god in here if you're a child and you're not right with God, get out of here. Because I guess the belief system is that that can jump into you. Uh-huh. And we all were like, the, get the kids out. So then our, and anybody else who's a believer that is right, stay here. We need your help. Pray. So then they're all praying. So we all go out there. Me and my sister, we're all talking. What was that? What's going <laughs> on? And, uh, you know, we didn't really know what was going on. I end up peeking just because I... I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I peek in the door of the church again to see what's up. But I happen to be peeking down where you can see the altar, but all the way down the, the aisle. And she's on the floor convulsing and she's slithering. Her whole body's laying down on her back, but she's slithering side to side like a snake. And I was like, what? What did I just see? And her eyes were rolled back and her neck was back. And I was just like, that I'll never forget. So when I saw the exorcist, <laughs> I, mean, I put it all together. Uh-huh. I was like, what the hell, dude? What was that? You know, so it's it's no joke. Um, but that's why when you see those types of movies, even the James Wan version, they always take it back to that. Your faith and finding some kind of redemption and getting that stuff out of you. Yeah. So it's pretty scary. I mean, yeah. That's why I still, it's something about it, you know? I mean, just the filmmaking period, 70s, it's so analog and <laughs> how they do it. But the documentary style filmmaking and just 
Well, the it's belief also, that it could happen. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I have belief that it yeah. could It's also that Friedkin like that. had just won the Best Director Oscar for The French Connection short before he filmed this one. So he's like a baller at that point as far as a director. He's got, I got nothing to prove. I've already won a Best Director Oscar. Now I'm just going to make this wild exorcist film. The like, relationship between he left him his and, mark. He sure did. And Regan, um, Linda Blair, looked really sweet in that documentary. Like He yeah. really was able to... He knew what kinda, they were putting her through. Tickle her into doing like I don't know. It was just interesting the way he dealt with her and how you know off camera you see how sweet she is, but man, on camera, well, nailed I, it. I've flirted with do I did a couple little acting things here and there, and you know becoming the role is a thing. Like and some people don't ever leave being character; they stay character the whole time. Sure, sure. And it's I know that. Yeah, well, and I, I heard that Heath Ledger did when he played the Joker. Yep. Sure. And it supposedly affected him. Sure. Um, so that's why I was curious with Blair. With Linda, sure. Yeah, and I was like, dude. Just to go into that space and be able and to like. Then. <laughs> I mean, it's a testament to her skills as an actress at that time. Yeah. Just what they got on camera is, is ridiculous. And well, yeah, she should have won an Academy Award. <laughs> I think she should have won. You know, there was a couple other possibilities. Uh, they kicked around the ideal because Ellen Burstyn wasn't the first person. They, they went through a bunch of people before they got to her. But there was the ideal for a moment of Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher hmm. doing huh. a mother-daughter thing. Wow. And so pre-Princess Leia, she's only like 13, 14, whatever. Huh. That would have been interesting. Sure, I mean, sure. Um, and then there was also uh, Jamie Lee Curtis before Halloween when she huh. was still young. Hmm. When she was a teenager, there are also you know, stories that she might have been offered the role. It might have been pretty good, too. We love Jamie huh. Lee, but Linda Blair nailed it. Come on, dude. As all youngsters at that time, yeah. we know why we like Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> Linda Blair was so adorable. She's she so great. cute. She Just... went on to date Rick Springfield. and Oh, wow. Yeah, she, she had a nice little life for herself there for a while and enjoyed her little spotlight for a while. She never reached those heights, though, again, of The Exorcist. Like, right. That's weird, huh? She had, like... Yeah. Weird. Well, Father Karras, he didn't do any more acting really after that much either, did he? Father Karras is crazy. That's Jason Miller. <laughs> yeah. And that is a terrific performance mm. as Father Karras. And he's a stage actor, but this is his very first movie. And he gets a nominator for an Academy Award for it. Mm. And then we don't see him for, I mean, he does roles, but he must have the worst manager in the world because <laughs> he never, for the next 20 years, doesn't pop up in any movie of consequence. Mm. Until the mid-90s, he's Coach Eric Parsegian from the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. He's huh. Rudy's coach in Rudy. Wow. Like That's like the next time we see that guy, Jason Miller. Like, he, I don't know. He had a bad agent. Like, Because <laughs> the guy's a good actor, especially, I mean, he what we saw in the exorcist. He, he wouldn't but do it. Here's what you're really going to like. You know who his son is? Who? Michael from the Lost Boys. Oh. Jason Patrick is wow. his oh, yeah. son. Wow. Yeah. True story. That makes sense. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. I read that today. I was like, oh, shit. I love me some Jason Patrick. Yeah. Damn. When's the last time you saw The Exorcist? Because uh, I watched it yesterday. <laughs> I meant to watch it before. I've seen it so many times. I meant to watch it before I came and did this. Uh, I would probably say about a year ago. Have you seen the extended version? I don't think so. It adds about 10 minutes. What are they extending? The ending or just little parts in between? There's... There's a scene with uh, Father Karras and Father Marin, Max Van Cita, where they're talking towards the end about faith um, that was cut from the original one. It basically one. explains everything you just said Absolutely. about the, the, 
the battle that Father Karras was going through. Yeah, I, you know, and essentially but it lays it all out, and they're like, well, well we don't maybe. You need know, that. and here's the here's the cool thing about what Friedkin's doing here too. You have two vessels in this film that represent. You have an agnostic character mm-hmm. represented by Ellen Burstyn, who doesn't believe in any of this, and she's willing to try everything else before she comes to the Catholic Church. And then you have Father Karras's arc where he's battling his faith. So you have a religious person battling his faith and you have an agnostic coming to grips with the fact that some of this stuff might be real. So there's these two, you know, which is brilliant. It's brilliant because you that's get what both faith, audiences. That's what faith is. Yeah. A lot of people think, Oh, because you have faith or you're religious or you have it all figured out. You're like, no, I don't. <laughs> that just kind of helps me get through because I really need it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and I, there's just a misconception that you have to be this perfect I hate to say it to a lot of people, douchebag, and that's not what it's about. And uh, I think with my band, that's why we've always taken the position of love and trying to spread positive energy and positive vibes. You know what I mean? Because there's a miss, there's a stigma there sure. of uh, a negative, negative, negative stigma uh, with that type of thing. But uh, you know what? At the root of it all, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing, man. I mean... What's wrong with the Ten Commandments? There's a, there's like a few things there, but what's wrong with thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal? You know, there's a couple things in there. It's like makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, man, I, like, I don't want to veer off the Exorcist, but nope. have you heard of the the Warrens? No. Uh, Warren and Lorraine Warren Warren were demonologists hired by the Catholic Church. They're the ones who did Amityville. They did. Uh, uh, is this all the, the, the is conjurings, this the, all that, say, but they, the the Annabelle, when you look up, do the research online, Annabelle's a raggedy and all. And it's, it's kind of crazy because they have her in a case. They, they better. Have, yeah. And, and, <laughs> but the movie made Annabelle look like crazy. You know what I mean? Um, and when you look at all the artifacts in their museum, which I was going to try to go visit, but then I spooked myself. I'm like, what if I bump into something? <laughs> I don't need that shit in my you, life. You can actually take a tour of their They thing? closed it. I don't oh, know okay. why, because the both died. There's a daughter that oh, actually runs it. <laughs> Annabelle know? got out. And, yeah. So, Ooh. uh, those movies are really awesome because it actually goes to specific stories like Amityville horror. Um, there's one that this conjuring two is in England. And that's where the nun is born. And that's what all this stuff. And when you do your research on that, it's like crazy, dude. You're like, and people are like, oh, nah, you're crazy talking all this trash about them. But they even say in the movie, one out of 3,000 um, cases is real. So they would go to different places. Oh, people are spooked. And they're all, oh, that's just pipes. It's not, there's nothing here. <laughs> you know? Um, and I was just watching, you know, it's Halloween time. So I was watching the whole, the whole special on the Whaley house. And... You know, some people have good energy. I'm a big believer. I'm more universal now. There's Bible says angels, demons. There's positive energy, negative energy, you know, and there's ghosts. Whatever people want to, whether we like to admit it or not, there's forces out there and there's energy out there and there's good stuff and bad stuff. So I choose to be on the good side because the bad stuff is, it's no joke. You can uh, go camp out or stay the night at the Whaley house now and, yeah. and do some ghost hunting with like a real ghost hunter and try to tap into to some of that energy there at the Whaley house. San Diego's most haunted. Well, they're saying, they say, they say America's most haunted. America's I don't know. How, I don't know how true that is, but yeah. I heard that one too. Let's go for America. Come on. <laughs> Let's do the podcast there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in. 
<laughs> so we take it you're a big horror fan. Uh, I wouldn't say like there's guys out there that'll if, if I say I am, they're like, what about this? What about that? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I, I would say I'm an intermediate gotcha. type of horror fan. I like what I like. There's a certain style that I like. Like The Saws, that's a movie I walked out of. I don't want to see people getting tortured. Yeah, it's and torture stuff like porn. It's like that kind of stuff just kind of, I, I was like, I, I, had, I, I had to get up and go, I'm out of here. And people are like, where are you going? I can't watch this crap. Right. Like, I just, I don't want to see that. It, it doesn't feed into my energy or my, my soul. Like, I don't know. But I love like the evil deads. Yes. Yes. But once again, that's a spiritual thing. The Necronomicon. Right. All that stuff. But then they added some comedy there, which yeah. was brilliant. Did you see the newest one? That yes. Evil Dead Rise? Yeah. yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was okay. That was more serious. Yeah. It, you know. You ever seen Sleepaway Camp? <laughs> no. Go, go watch Sleepaway Camp for this, uh, this Halloween season. Okay, Sleepaway Camp. report back. We just okay. did an episode on it, <laughs> and it's uh, early 80s, Friday the 13th ripoff. Okay. It's super ahead of its time as far as its, as far as its progressiveness and stuff for the time, mm. but it's just batshit crazy. These kids are terrible. <laughs> And a, it, and a shock, major shock major ending. Major shock ending, yeah. But it's it's a fun movie. But, we had fun doing that one with our buddy Jacob Turnbloom. Yeah, that's cool, man. I'll have to check that out. But yeah, The Exorcist, hands down. I think two films that still resonate with me and freak me out are The Omen okay. films. Around the same time, uh -huh, yeah. And The Exorcist. Just something about that, like that there could be some... Wasn't The Omen tied into Amityville and all that? No, uh, the woman was with the Damien. Uh, Damien. Damien. Yeah, the right. Antichrist. Why you do that to me, Damien? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about The Exorcist, not only that it was this subject matter that had never really been done on that scale, but the the how much of a massive hit it was. Like it cost eleven million to make it, mm -hmm. and the thing makes two hundred thirty three million in the U.S. Which, it, come on, at that time tickets are like a buck. Yeah. And then it's four hundred forty one million around the world. But now it's still wow. making money. What yeah. kind of backlash back then, though, was was there for like there was a the lot one of backlash. Scene I'm talking about with her, uh, your favorite scene, too. <laughs> just I mean, come on, that is 1973. What, uh, it's just over Jesus the top. Yeah, any of that, you. any of that stuff, any of that's like oh. just shocking to hear come out of her mouth for one. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you had uh, cities going out on their own, like D.C. and Boston, where they were like giving it an X rating. Uh, like you had, yeah, you had municipalities doing stuff like that. Like giving it a harsher rating than the ratings board did, that sounds the crazy. The more Puritan parts yeah, of America. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like that's a little ridiculous. Dumb. Like, I mean, damn that. Just I, what? What could you compare that to in 1973? As that far was as that shocking and over oh, the nothing. top. And, I don't know. Nothing. And then the the money it made too. I mean, it was Warner Brothers, which is a, you know one of the major movie you know studios ever. That was their highest grossing film ever wow. for the longest time until guess what knocked it off, Barbie. <laughs> wow barbie knocked it off recently that many years later until then 40 years that movie was or 50 years that movie was the top grossing film for warner brothers that's god i mean we talk about movies being hits on here that's a smash like good it's lord it's so iconic yeah like how do you even how they came upon that music you know the piano music mm. that iconic piano music tubular bells yeah, yeah. tubular bells and mike oldfield yeah. it's William Friedkin was in Ahmet Erdogan's office at Atlantic Records and was looking for some music for his movie. And he just picked that album up off of, you know, a shelf or whatever and put huh. it on and heard that and was like, I'm going to use this. Yeah, that's just so random. Like, 
Well, I had it as my ringtone. <laughs> and and yeah, I, I, it gets spooked, and you, in the middle of the night, your phone, you didn't turn your you know, your ringer off, and it's like, ding, 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 ding. You're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> How many soundtracks are you guys on? You're on a few oh, soundtracks. Man. Any favorites? Uh, uh, I think he, I think he, I think the uh, Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino, we're on that. Nice. Um, Little Nicky. I was about right. to say, are you guys on Little Nicky? Yeah. Because <laughs> all the metal bands at that moment were on. Yeah, on and that Adam, one. Adam was just, at that time, big into Southtown and wanted us in his film. We got to meet him. Probably one of the coolest dudes I've, I've ever met at that status. Um, like, he rolled up in his garden gardener's little rusted-out Toyota truck, <laughs> got dropped off, and we are like, dude, it, that, there's Adam Sound. He just came out of a little... <laughs> Little truck, dude. That was cool. Um, for me, that would probably be my favorite. Nice. Yeah. Um, Thirty years, man. So ridiculous. That I know we're we're blessed to still be here, bro. Like, and you know, we have our ups and downs, just like anything else. Yeah. Uh, you had but, a period. You were out of the band. Yeah, and right now we're dealing with. How's Wove doing? Wove's Wove's all right, man. He's like, all right. We I do mean, worry about Wove. Well, many people thing. have had. It, it, altercation not altercations just experiences with him and i do i do want to just wish do, him the best yeah we we love love he's just you know at, at this current time he's not in the band so we do have a new record coming out soon um and our who's friend playing drums uh robin diaz who's played with courtney love uh he's playing currently with live now okay and then uh he's basically second i wouldn't say second but right next to Josh Freeze as far as session work in LA. Uh, he's really good, but, but been a friend of mine for a long time and he's always wanted to do some POD stuff and the opportunity came and was like, hey dude, I got a, I got a shot for you here if you're into it, but we're not gonna be able to pay that uh, <laughs> wage that you're used to getting. So you, you either gotta cut us a break if you really wanna do it, do it. And he's like, dude, I wanna do it. And nice. he did the whole record, so. Oh, cool. Yeah. You've taken Ernie out on the road from Sprung Monkey as yes, well, sir. right? Ernie's a good, dear friend of ours, too. And me and him had a couple projects throughout the years. And he's a good soul, man. Yeah, we just did a whole thing together with the debut of his new band, Occupier. Yes, sir. And some DJ spun. What was, what was that <laughs> DJ's name again? That's my DJ name, uh, a.k.a. Marquitos. And you're spinning all over town. You're spinning pool parties and, yeah. and just wherever. Yeah, I have Little Italy to Saquon to downtown, you name it. That's awesome. How can people find uh, DJ Marquito? Uh, I'm, I, I'm actually on, on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, it's spelled differently. It's M-A-R-K-3-Y-T-0-5. Have you uh, always been into DJing a little bit? Or you know what? what? I've always been into electronic music uh since i was younger and some I of got, the best collaborations pod uh did were some of those we uh, had a paul Oakenfold, crystal method yeah, crystal method and of course it. those came from i'm from the you, big fan influence. of the electron yeah so so with all that being said like i i've always been a fan and when the pandemic hit i was like dude i'm locked i'm locked in here what am i gonna do and i always told myself i always wanted to mess around with electronic music but i was like why don't you just start djing yeah so i got a console a controller or whatever and uh i started messing around and going live on my instagram <laughs> and before you knew it, it just kind of took a life of its own and people started asking me to to dj 
Nice. And not just DJ for free. I'm getting paid, man. And I yeah, was like, yeah. this is dope. You're out at the casinos, yeah. by the pool, Casino, wherever. Casino, Moxie downtown, freaking Cocomaya Coco and Little Italy. Uh, Do you spend any cumbias? Sometimes. It's usually, can you play Bad Bunny? <laughs> <laughs> and what is your response? <laughs> you know what? I find a cool remix that I like. Nice. It's got a little more electronic flair to it. What about P.O.D. and Bad Bunny collab? You never know. We've right? done we've done so many, man. And when we did it, Atlantic, speaking of Atlantic Records, they were like, what? That's a hip-hop thing. And on our first, well, major satellite, we got HR from Bad Brains, Eka yep. Mouse. And we were like, dude, this, this is what we, we like to do. So we've never shied away from it we like to get people that we are inspired by people that we like and maybe they're, they're not the hottest thing at the moment but it means a lot to us and we want our fan base to know that hey that they influenced us or we like what they're doing so on this new record we got um uh on a song called drop we got randy Blythe from lamb of god we got cove reber from seosin and we got tatiana uh from ginger Nice. Uh, so those are our three features on this record. So, and with the feature, we write it because there's whole public publishing stuff going on, and then they just do their interpretation of it. Nice. Yeah. So Veritas is the new record coming yes, out sir. next year. There's technically a track out sort of right now. Yes. DJ Marquito, have any gigs coming up? Uh, right now I'm or just residencies. Kinda, uh, yeah, as of right now I've been kind of just focusing on the POD stuff, and then on the holidays, summertime I was by the pool a lot. So and you've been bike riding with uh, the owner of Tribal. Yes, Bobby and the owner Steve of Three Punk Ales. Nice, we love Steve. Steve yeah. has a, a great podcast too. Yeah, I've been on there uh, a few times. The Emo Brown podcast. Yeah. So I'd like to get him on here. Oh, and I'll then of course. Know. Um, they have Three Punk Ales is, is uh, got a little satellite spot down the street now from the Casbah. Yes. So technically you could do a little pre-gaming over there at Three Punk Ales and make your way down to the Casbah the before a show. one thing he did mention was, because, you know, Chula Vista is a different, there's different markets. Sure. And he was like, dude, Chula Vista is different than, than Little Italy, man. And yeah, all, completely, completely. <laughs> he's all, it's different. And I yeah. go, is that good? It's, no, it's good. It's just different. And I go, that's cool. Well, it's cool to be part of the beer culture and there's a definitely a, a thing going on in Little Italy with people wanting to sample and the cruise ships and just a whole bunch of things. I feel like the the one in Chula Vista's got more of that local vibe. And yeah. It's neat to see Third Avenue slowly getting developed into something else besides what it's been the last 15 years, you know? You know, crazy story. Uh, Tim, the owner of, of the spot here, uh, I, I've been on a health kick for quite some time now. I've lost a lot of weight doing my thing. Just the struggle's real because I love to eat Mexican food, <laughs> but uh, tortillas and all that. Sure. I always do the uh, golf course in Bonita. I, I either jog it or walk it. I've seen Tim with his wife walking it. Oh, nice. A lot. And then I see Steve Emo Brown uh -huh. walking it too. Walking it too. So I'm like, who else am I going to see? Tim Piles? Nah, <laughs> I'm not down in Bonita that much, but it sounds like it's a nice place to go walking. It's a good walk. You yeah. know, gets the heart rate going. But hey, back to movies. Sorry, yeah. man. No, no. That, I, uh, I do want to talk to you about Father Marine because he's like, he's the titular exorcist. Like, mm -hmm. this is the main guy. Mm -hmm. So we see him at the beginning and he's in Mosul, Iraq, and he's mm -hmm. really kind of an archaeologist as yes. well. And he finds that, you know, they find that little figure and then he, you know, he has a heart condition. So he takes those pills. They're like nitroglycerin pills yeah. or something. So they open up his 
you know, veins and keep him moving. But he's clearly having some issues. Now, Max is not as old as that character. We talked about that before the pod. We were laughing about all the makeup they put on him to make him look older because <laughs> he wasn't as old as his character. But he's probably um, in his 40s. Or yeah, I, I think he was 44, 45, somewhere around there. But, you know, he has that moment where he realizes uh, that something's amiss. And he goes back to that statue of Pazuzu mm. and the demon, you know, with the Dirk Diggler dick going on there. Yeah. I mean, he's packing meat, but <laughs> seriously, but, and they just stare each other down there for a while. And, uh, it, but it's, you know, it's kind of crazy. Cause it's like, he's having that moment where he's like, that's where you kind of figure out, like he's met this guy before, like the demon and him have done battle before. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of recognizing that, Oh shit, like it's out, <laughs> it's out there and I'm going to have to do this again. That's why when they bring him the note, when he's at the Jesuit school and they're Woodstock mm-hmm. or whatever, he doesn't even open the envelope. The kid runs up to him in the woods. He just hands him the envelope and he's just like, yep, this is it. Like he knew it was coming. Wow, like, and then, you know, when he walks in the house for the first time with Father Karras, you hear there's a quick thing, a flash of the demon and you hear the demon go, Marine. Mm. Like he says his name and it's like, that's where you're like, oh shit, they really have met each other before. <laughs> so it's like, I think that whole arc is pretty cool too. You know, we were talking about the, the agnostic and the faith arcs, but yeah. this is a cool arc too, is yeah. Father Marine's arc. Cause the struggle. Yeah. And he's, he's this warrior and he's doing this thing that, you know, Father Karras is asking all these people at Georgetown about, and they're like, well, we don't even know if this really exists and yada, yada. And it's like, no, Father Marine, that's your guy. This guy's been doing it. Like, he's just doing it undercover, and you guys don't talk about it. But, you know, this character is really interesting. Mm. And I find his death so fascinating in that film because he's, you know, they've got that room chill down to minus 20. You know, nowadays they just CGI that. Well, it's because the spirit jumps into him. Yeah. And then he jumps out the window. Well, now that jumps into Karis at the oh, end. Yeah, right. Father yeah. Karis, the younger one. But when Karis comes in, you know, well, that's they right. both, so they both get their ass yeah, beat. Yeah. They both get thrown against the wall. Mm-hmm. And that's when Father Marin says to Karis, go take a break. And we get that great back shot of Linda Blair in the bed, like almost looks like a rock star pose. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see the demon off to the side yeah. Yeah. with his big meat swing. And, <laughs> and yeah. And he stays in the room. Father Marine stays in the room and he's going to handle this. And then the next thing we know, Father Karras goes downstairs and he talks with Ellen Burstyn. And he, you know, he's like, you, that's the moment where you really think he might walk out. And she comes in and says, you know, blah, 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 blah. I've got nothing else, to, you know. And that's when he kind of gets his courage again because of what she says to him. Sure. And he, he's like, I'm going back into the fight. And then he walks upstairs. He finds Marin on his knees and he thinks he's praying. He walks over, pushes him, and he's dead. Yeah. And Linda Blair's yeah. just chilling. Yeah. She's just chilling in the corner yeah. of the bed, like staring at him. Like, do you think? Do you think? And you know, when you see a screenplay, I've seen a few in my life. They'll have little parentheses with details, like Diggler. You know. Oh man. Did, who was that in the screen? Right or the screenplay, or was that the French director? freaking going hey he's gotta have he's he's the he's gotta have more meat than a butcher shop he's the big sausage in the room man yeah 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 is that an actual demon he's got a snake wrapped around it too if you look closely like you would look closely i was like who 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 brought that detail up there was that in the screen right like the director's like okay hmm we need to have make sure he has this going on because he's he's a freaking he's badass got demon. <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of things when you see movies, you're like, who came up with that? Because funny story, man, we were um, 
were at U2's concert for the Evol- Evolution, Evolution, Revolution, Evolution Tour, whatever it was back right. in the day. Yeah. And uh, we were in the VIP section. I got to meet Martin Gore for the first time. It was POD and our A&R guy, John Rubley. And uh, we see the director for Boogie Nights, and he's with uh, Fiona Apple. Oh, P.T. They were, Anderson. They were, date, they were dating. Yeah. And we all end up in a circle kind of just vibing out talking. <laughs> so me and Sonny were always talking about Boogie Nights going, you know that scene where, where little Bill's pissed off because his wife, whatever, uh, Nita. Oh, he's, he's doing Nita Hartley. Yeah, Nina and, Hartley. And, 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 and he's like, well, what's up, man? How do you think I'm doing? My <laughs> wife's over there with her, in her ass and mud and and it was a mix-up. And so Sonny, we're like, let's ask him, dude. Hey, was that not in the script? And he's like, it was such a great performance. I'm glad you guys caught that. We just kept it that way. Because yeah. it was a mix-up in what? Yes. He's, he's, so when you think of those types of things in movies, you're like, this demon, I have a question, man. Was that in the screen, right? Or did someone actually go, you know what? Hey, we need to have a huge chorizo, dude. <laughs> Uh, well, sadly, you also have like Ellen Burstyn getting like permanently injured. Like she had a harness on her back, and, you know, the screen, the she gets thrown across the oh, room. Shit. She injured her back and had a permanent injury from that huh. after that. Yeah, that wow. was kind of a bad deal for her. Damn, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, she wasn't expecting it, and they just it went harder than she thought. And it's kind of fun watching that behind the scenes where they show how they did all that possessed stuff, shaking the bed. And, yeah. sure. and then when uh, Reagan's record collection is getting smashed against the window. Like, Just all the practical effects again, yeah. you know, like they wouldn't have had to freeze those people to near death. They could have just CGI'd their cold breath, but they wanted the cold breath. Yeah. And so they, they literally made you could them. almost get snow happening in the room because of how cold it was. And they'd, have, they'd only be able to go and work oh. for periods of time and have to come out. It looks out. great to this day, man. I was yeah, like, it does. Looks, yeah, the Blu-ray yeah. just was popping. Oh, I, the, smoke, the smoke pops on the Blu-ray in all so, those scenes. Yeah, It's so bizarre. The husband's mentioned. There is a husband yes. who's in Europe, mm-hmm. I guess. But that there's nothing more than that. You we know, never really know anything about him other than, you know, Chris McNeil mm-hmm. is, is a famous actress. We know this. She's shooting a movie in Washington, D.C. Um, called Crash Course, and she's playing a professor, and these are protesting students. And we see him shooting a scene for that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the director there, Burke Dennings, is, you know, he's eventually, he's Reagan's first victim. He gets thrown out the window. and We don't see that, We though. don't even see that one happen, but... Yeah. Do we even um, see him in the house being the... No, we don't. Uh, we just see Sharon, the assistant, come running out. Yeah. And she says, you know, I had to go get medicine. Burke was here. I sent her upstairs to take care of him. And then, you know, Burke's the I dead one. I was like, one. did I miss something? No, Burke's <laughs> laying dead at the bottom of the stairs. Like, he had his head turned around. Like, Reagan just snapped that neck and tossed him out. But he was kind of a douche. Like, at the, at the party that she throws early on in the movie, he's calling the help a Nazi because he's from Europe. Like, right. he's being kind of a drunken dick. Like... So it's, you know, if he dies. Isn't that priest uh, it, at the party, too? Yes, Father Dyer. He's, like, playing the piano and doing so show tunes and there? stuff. I'm it, like, why is he, know he was hiding in the cloth. Why was he <laughs> there, though, at her party if she's so agnostic? What's the connection with having a well, priest he, at her party? Well, you also saw these weren't your normal priests. These guys were drinking. They were, yeah. like, listening to music and stuff. Like, they weren't well, that was quite... behind the scenes. I was not Yeah, but they weren't quite they hiding the fact that the they scenes. dabbled in that kind of thing. Like, They're all human. That's yeah. what everybody yeah. seems DC to forget. DC, too. Like, DC's pretty liberal. Like. Yeah. <laughs> well... That's the whole thing I like about the faith aspect is that that is part of having faith is struggling with it. 
because when you're going through your daily life and your struggle, you're like, dude, what's up? Yeah. I need a break right now. I need some help. Yeah. And then you start to question. And then you're like, dude, I'm doubting now. This is some bull crap. You know what I mean? So I like that, man. I yeah. like that a lot. That's what's great about Father Karras at the end because he sacks up, he goes up there. And I think going up the stairs, his not only is his faith restored, but he's going up there to sacrifice himself for that girl. He knows going up, he's probably not coming out. And when he sees Father Marin there, he definitely knows he's not coming out. You know, once he's seen the other priest dead. So that's kind of cool, too, like that he knows he's going to die, but he's going to do it for this little girl, you know, that he's heard on, only on a tape. Because the only thing he's seen from this girl is the demonic possession. Mm -hmm. But when he takes, there's that part where he takes the, when she's making a tape for her father. Yeah. And he takes that tape back to his room and listens to it. He hears the real little girl. So that's who he's fighting for there at the end. He knows that girl exists and he gives his life for her. And that's, you know, that's pretty cool. He yeah. has a lot of guilt about his mother, too. Yeah. Plays into everything. Where yeah. his mother well, self -sacrifice was sure. dead. That was so weird. Some of those scenes which are like kind of in his head almost, right? Yeah. But, but uh, she had passed away and she was like in a, wherever she was. She got she put was in there. an insane asylum basically right at the end. And, you know, that that's a terrible place for an old woman like that to be at. Who isn't? You know, is, is, she's not experiencing those issues. She's yeah. just old and her body is dying, but she's still mentally there. Like, yeah. that must have been a nightmare for her. And he has a guilt about that, you know. Yeah. And I love even there at the end, the, the agnostic character, Ellen Burstyn, you know, when she's talking to the father there at the end. And it's like, you know, well, I don't know that I believe in God, but I definitely believe in the devil. You know, it's like, yeah, no shit. Like, you just saw it up in well, your you bedroom. You can't have there. one without the other. Yeah, and that's where she's at least, that's where the agnostic plays into it. She's still sitting on the fence. She's like, mm -hmm. well, I saw the one. So, you know, but I'm still going to hold the reservation here. Well, because well, de demons are just angels that went bad. They went rogue. Yeah. <laughs> that's, if you believe in that stuff, yeah. that's what that is. So I love when Reagan uh, hugs the priest at the very end when she's, Supposedly doesn't remember anything. She sees his collar. And she looks at his collar yeah. and has some recollection that this person or uh, someone of that, like, helped her. Yep. Saved her. Yep. And I'm glad there was no, you know, last second shock tease. You know, she turns around in the car and looks back at him. <laughs> oh, you know, eyes turn yellow. Yeah, I'm so glad there wasn't any of that yeah. nonsense right at the end. Like, I... I that's that works in it, certain movies, but it wouldn't have been good. That's what here. makes it more scary. Like, yeah. it's just believable and possible and whatever you experience <laughs> that you explain. And, I mean, hell, Sasquatch was supposedly sighted recently. I saw that. Hey, so man, UFOs were, uh, every, <laughs> UFOs were lumped in with ghosts and all that, too. And now in the last year, we're like, wait a minute. Even the government's admitting On that, a side so. note, <laughs> what, what's the... Uh, Eric? Eric, we were talking about the aliens thing and, you know... The Prometheus and uh, Covenant, They're, the whole premise in that story is the main character is dealing with her faith and she has a cross and she knows that there's aliens and all this stuff and they keep asking her, well, how's your faith now? How can you still believe in God if you know all this stuff? And she was like, just leave me alone. Mm -hmm. I have my sister. I know what I don't, that's personal for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So faith is a personal thing and that's why that's when you get tested, when you get into certain situations in life. And thank God, we're hopefully none of us ends up getting possessed here. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't have to go through that to, True. to figure it out. But I, I really love that about what you, I, I love that you brought that up because it, it is true, man. I, I think it's just showing the human side of somebody and having to deal with things that maybe he missed in there he didn't want to deal with when yeah. he knew he didn't even look at the letter because he was like 
dude, yep. this is this is it. This is my calling. I gotta go in, you know, for that for that so 12th good. round. Max von Sydow. He's so great. Oh. It's the second time we got him. We had him in Flash Gordon. Yeah. We got him again. Yeah. He's just Ming such an amazing actor. And the makeup. Makeup was pretty great, man. Oof. For that, dude, just for that time. Dick, just, Dick Smith was his name, and he had he had the great Rick Baker early on in his career working for him under him. So, you know, you wonder why it's good? Because you got those guys doing it. I mean. Well, now when we got stuff. CGI and all that stuff, if you look at it, even with records, records were being made on four tracks back then that are iconic today. That's the same thing with this movie. Yeah. You know? Sometimes too much is not better. Yeah. You know, I kind of rein it in. I just I love the practical effects and how they did Everything, everything from the shaking of the bed to the dolly they created to get those long shots as the people are walking up the stairwell um, or when the psychologist falls after she grabs him in the nuts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they built some the crazy camera. box and he yeah. kind of like falls with the camera. Yeah. It's just so genius how they that stair figured shot. things out back that, then. That stair shot's terrific when Sharon leads him oh. in, when the, they first show up and she takes him up the stairs yeah. and they first go in there and watch her. It, that steady cam shot up the stairs is terrific, and that that was innovative at the time. They weren't mm -hmm. doing that kind of thing in Hollywood. Right. Like, it's brilliant. And I don't know if you're familiar with Sam Raimi. Oh sure. But when he did The Evil Dead, like they were in college still. And when you look at the way that they do certain shots in that movie, it's the same kind of feeling for me for Evil Dead Two. I saw it on HBO, mm -hmm. and I was late night, and I was like, Wow, what is this? And it was so cool. Just the story gets to put the shotgun on his freaking cutoff <laughs> arm. He's battling with himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this dude. It's did just... you watch the series they did? It was pretty good. Uh, I did not recently. Watch it. it was a recent no. series in the last few years. Yeah, but uh, that that whole style of yeah, of yeah. what we, the what he does with the camera, thriller, horror, gore, whatever the fuck you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, hey, and, and shout out to Sharon, her assistant. She never leaves. The, oh. the actress Kitty Wynn. Yeah, Kitty Wynn plays her assistant Sharon yeah. to Chris McNeil throughout the film. She witnesses all, all of this and, stays. and doesn't quit until they're at the end and they're moving out of the house. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, man, that is, she's That's a good employee. Hell yes. <laughs> she's great. And Carl's she still there the too. Money. Yeah, something, right? The old, uh, handyman, well. the old handyman, Carl's still there too at the end. Like, Props to them, man, because the first time I saw that bed levitating, I'd have been out. Like, serious, I ain't sticking around. Right on. Well, I think we've covered everything, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Most of it. Music. Terrific. Dude, I love being on this with you guys, man. Thank you Thank so you. much. Yeah, you're amazing, man. I'm, I'm so lucky to call you a friend uh, and dude, definitely wanted to have you on. And it's so interesting. You know, you guys are known as this Christian rock band, and you picked this movie and you really offered a lot of insight to some different things through about the mm -hmm. film, but also yeah. you personally. And uh, thank you, man. That was it's, really cool. It, and that's a struggle in itself. Sure. To be categorized that when we never really came out and said that's what we were. Right. Everyone just wanted to put that on us. And we're like, whatever, dude. Faith is a big is a big deal to our band. but And it, and it comes out in the music. When you listen to reggae yeah. music or you listen to U2. It, it's just we got the tag and we've had to live with it and we used to fight it now i'm like hey you know what if that's what if that's what it means to you and you listen to us yep. cool but i just don't like the fact that some people won't listen because they think that's all it is right, right i'm like nah dude you're not really listening yeah both bands <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know here we have two two bands from san diego that are part of this 
scene and culture, but yet are Grammy nominated winners. I don't know if Switchfoot's won yeah. a Grammy, but I mean, both you guys, you you're just great people and and uh, you're flawed people as well. Uh, but major great uh, great music makers and 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 big, you know, the the success for both these bands after all these years playing all over the world, big houses, you name it. I mean, it is phenomenal. And uh, I'm always Thank very you. proud of San Diego and people that come from here. And it's so cool. Those dudes are from Encinitas. Mm -hmm. You guys represent more of the, the South Bay and, and a, a Latino culture. Um, and it's just two great parts of San Diego. And I'm just really stoked for your continued success. and can't wait Thank to hear you, the new man. album. Thank you so much, Tim. You, you mean a lot to us. You mean a lot to the scene. Graham, pleasure to meet you, bro. Thank you so much, Marco. Thank you guys for your airtime, man. I love you guys. If you haven't seen The Exorcist, maybe you should now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But do it in the right. Do it at night. <laughs> no, you said Make, during the day. Well, day. no, this is for them. Oh, for them. Okay. <laughs> do it at night. Dim the lights. Get your popcorn. And then go to bed afterwards. <laughs> and remember, it is all payable on death. Seriously. Ow! P.O.D. Marcos Curiel. I'll swallow your soul. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. So right. good. Cheers. All right, on, man. What am I, a clown? Like I amuse you? That's right, SCF fans. Next week, we're going to Jersey for Goodfellas. Tune in to see who our guest is.